You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Apriremo quelle gabbie vili e co-criminali Animal Liberation Animal Liberation Animal Liberation Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airways from the 3CR studios in Melbourne and via podcast. Thanks to Sally from Out of the Pan for the previous show. You can catch Sally every week at 12pm on Sunday, um, talking all things pansexual. And today we're joined by friends of the show and previous guests, Dr. Zoe Sutton and Dr. Corey Wren. Zoe's a sociologist specialising in qualitative research with both human and non-human animals. Uh, Zoe's research has focused on critically exploring human-animal relationships, drawing on her sociological expertise to analyse the relationships between human and non-human animals through qualitative interviews, observation and media analysis. Corey is a vegan feminist sociologist of social movements who specialises in anti-speciesist protest and human non-human relations. Corey's research builds on social movement theory to explore relationships between humans and other animals and animal liberation efforts. Both Zoe and Corey have joined us today to discuss the International Association for Vegan Sociologists, something that I've just learned about, which is really cool. I'm, I'm really excited to hear more about it. And the upcoming sold out conference running over the 7th and 8th of August. Um, We were really interested to hear more about what vegan sociology is and what the conference is all about. So we've invited Zoe on, Zoe and Corey on um, to discuss this with us and share a little bit with all of you listening. So welcome, Zoe and Corey. Thanks so much for, for making it here. Thanks for having us. Very excited to be back. And I just, first I want to start off with What's sociology? I mean, Nick is a sociologist. Nick's here with us. Nick's here with us as well. Um, our regular co-host, Nick. Um, and yeah, Nick's a sociologist as well, I believe, or a social scientist. No, sociologist. Yep. Yep. So- sociologist. Yep. Yep. What is a, what is sociology? Can some, someone clarify that for me and and our audience? I want to go first, and then you guys. I want to hear what you how you would define this because. I was once asked, you know, what is sociology? And I started going, eh, well, and they said, if you go to a party, you need to be able to define sociology quickly. But it's one of those disciplines that really resists that in a lot of ways because we are, we are very interdisciplinary, interdisciplinary. But in general, it's, the easy answer is we study societies, but we also are very inter- interested in institutions. We're interested in um, – group level relationships and interactions, individual with society, that all that kind of stuff. But I think if, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, if you had to put it in a nutshell, we're interested in large institutions and structure. But see, this sounds like jargon. So you guys go. (laughs) 
I mean, I think for me, sociology is always about looking at the link between individuals and broader society and taking yeah. things that look like individual experiences and showing how they're actually indicative of social patterns, whether it be, you know, animal oppression or patriarchy or your class positioning and, and how those very big things manifest in everyday life as well. So it's always about that link between the, the big and the little for me. Yeah, and I guess I'd add that it's a little bit like psychology, but a bit more arrogant in that rather than just analysing individuals, we're trying to explain the whole society. And I guess as, as uh, Zoe and, and Corey touched on, like looking at the link between the individual and society, that our individual choices, actions, lives, et cetera, are influenced by um, broader institutions around us. And I think also to differentiate it from anthropology in very sort of simplistic terms, like that sort of bigger scale, like anthropologists are often interested in looking at a little group, but we might look at much broader things like uh, the media and, and government and um, class and gender and these bigger things rather than focusing on the small little groups to sort of simplify it anyway. There's also methodological differences because you're mentioning the psychology they tend to be very stats oriented and yeah, very individualist, individualistic, but there's also theories that we favor over others. Um, there's an over, overlap in all these different disciplines, but that, yeah, I think these are all kind of hitting at the main ones. And is, sociolo- is sociology a part of social sciences or is, are they the same thing? Is it sort of the same word different or different words for the same thing? Uh, I think so, social sciences would include things like anthropology and uh, psychology, right, Garth? I, I don't think psychology, but it would include politics and or yeah, definitely politics and anthropology. Anyway, mm. I'm okay. not sure about. I didn't. Oh, I didn't. I didn't think it was, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I, I used to do social psychology, so I yeah, figured maybe. Oh, well, thanks, thanks for clarifying that for me because it, it leads, <laughs> it leads um, directly into the, the next question, which is, uh, so we, we know what's, well, we, we have this understanding of sociology that it's um, sort of investigating these large social um, institutions and structures and uh, within our societies and how that um, might influence us at an individual level. What is vegan sociology and is it is it common for for sociology to be sort of divvied up into so is there like other types of sociology um do you want to just yeah describe to us what's vegan sociology and is this a common thing to to do give sociology a label like that I mean, I think there's a whole lot of different kinds of sociology depending on what you're looking at because it is such a broad discipline which often sometimes is something we struggle with, that it is so broad that we struggle with the question of what sociology is. But um, something that I think is really interesting in sociology is about the sociology of knowledge and understanding how we know what we know and the ways that power in those broader structures influence what we understand to be truth and knowledge. And for me, I think that's really where vegan sociology came in through conversations with Corey as well about the fact that we have all of this kind of animal studies and we have sociologists studying animals, but there's something about the link between, you know, a vegan, a vegan epistemology or a vegan understanding that underpins your research. It does matter if you think it's okay to exploit animals and you're doing animal research, I think. And that, that filters into the research that you do. So for me, a vegan sociology is about kind of understanding those power dynamics and also trying to channel your research in ways so that the research you do matches up with the the ethics that you follow and the oppressions that you're trying to tackle with your work. 
And also one of the core things in sociology is we study race, class, gender. I mean, that's just on the table every time we do any kind of research. And so vegan sociology is simply asking to add in one of those other huge major categories, which is your species identity. And uh, if you look at uh, folks like David Nybert, for instance, who has done a lot of very important work in uh, kind of reimagining the history of human society and how it's been shaped by our relationship with other animals. It really, it's, it's, frankly quite astonishing that the discipline of sociology has been so resistant to acknowledging the role of species when it has been absolutely fundamental to the shaping of our society or societies across the world. Do you, do you want to speak a little bit more about that? Um, whoever would like to take, take that point. Uh, yeah. Why do we need vegan sociology and why hasn't it been around before you mentioned this Corey that, um, sociology's sort of not taken this on why hasn't it taken it on well i think this is the interesting thing that we have we have got this international kind of gathering because different parts different parts of the world different disciplines in sociology are more or less conservative whereas i think here in britain it's a little, a little bit more forgiving about under, understanding non-human animal issues but in the American Sociological Association, which is where I'm, what I'm doing, my chair, I live in Britain, but I'm chairing that. Um, it is so conservative. It is so conservative. Just to give you an idea, David Nybert last summer um, started a campaign to save these uh, lambs who were being used in some environmental experiment by a uh, uh, Antioch College, which is like a kind of green hipster sort of university. And he was getting a lot of backlash, a lot of backlash. Um, and we were starting to worry that maybe he, his job could be in danger because of what, I mean, it was peaceful. He's the most peaceful man that ever lived. Um, but we felt that there was, uh, we petitioned the ASA and said, can you please you know, offer some public support? Because people are labeling him all these like nasty things. And the ASA just was, first off, it was cumbersome. And then secondly, finally, they're like, nah, I don't think so. So it's like they, they have this kind of um, blinders, if you will, when it comes to vegan work, vegan research, vegan public sociology, the importance of non-human animals. And, and I'll, I'll say this last point, and I think Zoe can uh, elaborate on this, but once I became chair of the ASA section for, the animals, for animals and society, amongst people who ought to be a little bit more forgiving, um, it's quite divided. For instance, I when last time I was on your show, we talked about um, the COVID situation and how non-human animals, we really need to be, we have to talk, we have to bring this into the picture. And I had posted an email out to the listserv from my own self. It wasn't representing the, the section, but I got pushback from people who said, oh, if this is going to be a vegan thing, I'm going to, I'm quitting this and I don't want to be associated. This could be career suicide. And I'm basically they weren't vegan. They weren't interested in veganism. They were interested in studying people who work with animals and eat animals. They themselves eat animals. And you have a lot of like dog and cat people who it just, it's there's, they care about animals, but really as variables as research objects instead of subjects, you know, Mm. and that's why we were frustrated. So what do you think Zoe? Absolutely. I think the, the group definitely stemmed out of our kind of mutual frustration with that sort of thing. And there's always this idea that vegan sociology and vegan approaches to anything are political and that everything else is not political. Mm-hmm. And it, that really bothers me because, I mean, part of what we look at in sociology is norms, right? 
everything is political. Everything you do is feeding back into some sort of norm. So to position us as these kind of political people that you have to stay away from that are forcing our way of understanding on other people, I think is to misunderstand how the social world is created, which is really frustrating. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. It sort of reminds me because, you know, sociologists, it sounds like are really interested in interrogating sort of these norms, these societal norms and thinking about how they influence us as individuals um, and at large scales, society as a whole, that you would be maybe that people in that practice might be more aware of, um, of when this creeps in, you know, through, through, norms around animals, speciesism, carnism, these sorts of things. And it reminds me of similar conversations in the fields of philosophy where, um, you know, I think, I think I've read something that's or a piece of research that was like that asked um, philosophers if, you know, eating animals was okay. And I think a small majority might have said no, but whether they actually practice, <laughs> they practice what they believe in terms of their their work. Um, that didn't it didn't match up. So they would agree that it was wrong to harm animals or or um, eat animals, but they didn't actually practice not harming animals by not eating them. Um, and why? What? How? You probably don't know as much. Like it's probably as as strange to you as it is to me, maybe, but why would people who like it's their job to interrogate these norms and these processes be blind to their own examples of it, you know, in relation to animals? Does anyone have any thoughts on that or am I just talking? No, I mean, I think we all have those kinds of blinkers and it comes back to privilege as well, right? We have species privilege that very much goes unchallenged and is supported by broader society. So I think in every situation, so many conferences, it's very rare to find a wholly vegan conference. And I think I'm sure we've all been in situations where you have like round tables of people talking about why no one cares about animals. And I went to one where I was the only vegan at the conference. And when I put up my hand and said, well, why don't we talk about what everyone have for breakfast? And maybe when you think about why you have that disconnect, that will tell you why other people have a disconnect that you disagree with. And the person writing the notes just said, that makes me uncomfortable and then turned around and walked away. And I thought, well, how can you expect other people to raise these questions if you're not willing to have it yourself but um I mean it really speaks to how much you know other animals are so completely socially constructed that you don't even see some animals as beings that can be harmed or harm that we're contributing to and and all of that so yeah. is vegan sorry is vegan sociology um so it sounds like you're you're distinguishing yourselves within the world of sociology and and making that explicit perhaps like um, people might have done in the past with um, ideas around uh, race, gender and class. Um, if, if, it's, if it's a clear distinction, then people sort of need to think about it. Yeah, and just making it visible, I think, has also allowed us to find each other a little bit more. And I think there really is a power to finding other people who are vegans doing sociological work and starting from that standpoint which, I mean, for me, it was partially just that I wanted to advance my own work and my own thinking. And to do that, I wanted to talk to other people that started at that standpoint. I'm tired of having this conversation over and over again where we have to debate whether it's okay to eat animals while we say that we care about them. I don't think it's getting me very far. I think it's not getting a lot of things very far. So I'm trying to advance the conversation a little bit that way as well. We're making a new space. And there are these spaces. Like, I'm not, we've not invented something 
brilliant and exciting, but this is a space that I think we're seeing people flock to, which is nice. Well, we kind of were interested in doing the sociology specifically because, yeah, there's tons of spaces for what we do, but they tend to be kind of a uh, invite any discipline, just any anything in the humanities, anything in the social sciences, which is great. It's it's extremely useful to go to those, but we know from the, the history of our discipline, it needs to be pushed, and someone's going to have to do that, or even not even to just push it, just to be visible, as Zoe was saying. And it reminds me of um, like the vegan society. They started out where they were, you know, within the vegetarian society in Britain and they were just kind of doing their own thing, not really getting much visibility. It's kind of tension. And then they decided, well, we're going to branch off and do our own thing. And it was small. And, you know, at first it wasn't really getting much traction, but there was something really, really powerful and existing, you know, and, and publishing that first newsletter and was it 1944 and here we are, we exist in the world. And it's, it, it, that's where I think we have to start. Maybe we're not going to transform sociology overnight, but we do need to be present. And I also want to be very clear about, I don't want to make it sound like that we've come, we've solved problems with racism and sexism and classism and other isms in sociology. We have not. We've had feminist sociology for decades, but we still have a lot of resistance, people who, uh, like, for instance, I was, um, I taught a feminist methodology uh, course, it was like a guest, a guest lecture last year, and I, I told my uh, supervisor about it. He laughed. He's like, oh, you're making that up, feminist, feminist methodology. And in the past, I've done gender studies where folks have just I'd said, here's, here's the details. We need to solve these issues. And they were like, well, that's not an issue. I don't see that. So it's not just species. There's privilege just like down the board when we're talking about academia so existing is important and getting these positions out there and i think it, it says so much that we have sold out there's a time this is a time for it people are hungry for it and i'd also like to add as well as um as like why don't sociologists question this stuff i guess as sociologists we've got that um critical thinking or at least we should um about how i guess you know when things are not seen as ideological they're just like they're the dominant ideologies in the media often here you don't often hear that's a pro-capitalist story that is just like the thing it's not seen as ideological but that just shows how dominant that that ideal ideology is but yeah i think like as sociologists we're also a part of the societies that we're we're in as well even though we try and be critical so yeah just as Corey mentioned we're part of a patriarchal society so sociologists can take that on perhaps without realizing it same with speciesism as well and obviously for us uh, vegan sociologists I think that's a very positive thing being vegan but we also need to be critical of um, other forms of inequality we might be um, unquestionably accepting just because they are dominant ideologies in our society great and I think that's a good point to go to our first song so this song is by the decline and a local australian band and this is excuse me Understand necessity, you're not the one in the factory Locked in cages, testing products we don't need Manufacturing through greed, I see A means to an end, let's see Why we need to preserve or defend our human safety From foundation and blush, you understand we have enough Products to use already 
You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. 855 AM. Hey, all you mob, it's Dr. Mark Winnetong here. Coronavirus has certainly changed the way we live, work and connect. These changes can be hard for some of us and can make us feel no good in our head or spirit, like sad or worried all the time. Some of us might already be dealing with other things like sickness, trauma, and this can make it really hard for us to feel good about anything at the moment. If you're feeling like this, remember, it's okay to ask for help. Have a yarn to someone you trust, like your family or an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health worker. You can also call Beyond Blue, Lifeline or the Kids Helpline to talk to someone or look at some helpful information at headtohealth.gov.au on the internet. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Freedom of Species, 3CR, 855 AM and on podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're talking with Dr. Zoe Sutton and Dr. Corey Wren about vegan sociology. And um, you, if you've listened um, before the, the song, you will have a, a bit of a clearer understanding of what sociology is and why um, both Zoe and Corey have have created um, a an International Association of Vegan Sociologists. And that's what I hope we can, um, I'd like to hear a little bit more about. Zoe, you were mentioning, you know, staking, staking out the, the space that is vegan sociology um, allows you to meet other people and really push, push the, the field. Um, is this part of the reason you, you've sort of um, put together the International Association of Vegan Sociologists? And, w- and what are both of your roles in that? in that um, association? Uh, Well, our roles, I think we're still, we're figuring out. We've just got ourselves as co-founders at the moment and we're hoping to have a business meeting at our upcoming conference to work out what the future of this group's going to look like. But um, yeah, in terms of staking out space and things, a lot of the response we got as soon as we started, I mean, Corey put the website up. She did a very good job of that. I can't Looks great, by the way. Yeah, that's a nice little great, doesn't it? Excellent. (laughs) Um, And we started getting like, emails from people whose work I hadn't read before that were saying things like I'm the only vegan in my department and I've been trying really hard to do this work and I don't know anyone around me that I can work with on this and I think especially I mean I I definitely have people working on animal studies where I am and I was very lucky to have a supervisor who was a vegan sociologist who was doing animal stuff as well but I think having people as a sounding board and having people as support and just knowing that other people see what you do and recognize it as valuable can be a massive step in like legitimizing it and encouraging other people to do it. And I don't know if anyone else has this experience, but when you're a new postgrad and you go to a conference and you say, Oh, I'm doing animal studies and I like to do critical stuff and people go, Oh, what's that? Is that really a thing? It's hard when you get started, you need to have someone else to at least, you know, give you a nod and be like, yeah, it is a thing. Well done. You keep going. So um, even just that small kind of support and having a space of legitimation, I think is really important. Yeah, indeed. And what are the what are the sort of goals for the International Association of Vegan Sociologists? I know you mentioned you're still sort of figuring it out, but do you have any do you have any sort of um, broad plans or ideas, Corey? Perhaps. Oh, <laughs> yeah. My idea was to have the business meeting so we could ask other people. <laughs> I did all the work of putting the website together, right? So I was like, all right, I'm done. Well, we also did a Facebook page and a Twitter page, so we're official, right? But. Uh, you know, I I think Zoe Zoe's hit it on hit it on the head. The number one thing we're interested in here is um, validating one another, creating a sense of community. Um, I think that 
we have really been blown away by the very swift response, positive response to the conference we've organized. So I would imagine we probably want to do it again next summer. Um, and doing it online is infinitely easier than having to negotiate something in person. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I could, I could say all these different things, but it really depends on, you know, what, what kind of, what kind of feedback we get about who wants to do what, but I mean, we could do blog. I've got, I set up a blog and I'm basically, I'm just cross posting stuff that I've already written. Do you know, we could do, we could do that. We could, we could do an online journal. We could do anything we wanted to do, but it's a matter of what, what other people who come to this conference are able to contribute. And cause you know, you set some of the stuff up and people say, Oh yeah, I'll do this. And then they don't actually. Mm-hmm. So it may just stay that adamant might just stay as, a you know an online community that comes together once a year who knows we'll see yeah and, and on the conference can you tell us a little bit about that yeah all right so oh. i think zoe should Zoe, you go for it because you put the call for paper together um okay so the conference actually started as a collaboration of the sociology and animal groups around the world um and then we we kind of included our vegan group as well because we were working on that at the moment so we were just trying to find a way well i was trying to find a way for our australian sociology and animal group to start bridging ties with other groups around the world and create some more connections between members and highlight kind of the really good work that sociology is doing in animal studies because i think sometimes sociology doesn't necessarily get the attention it deserves for its work on animals and we do we do contribute some really interesting things um, and the more this group's grown, I think it really has become quite a vegan conference, which really speaks to the great response we've had to the vegan association. So that now I think most of our papers are, are vegan underpinned or talking about vegan things or having a critical animal studies approach. And yeah, so we've got the Canadian Sociological Associations group on board, and they've been really fantastic in communicating with their members and offering kind of support and all of that. So it's really just bringing together as many vegan animal studies people around the world as we could from sociology and seeing what we can showcase, I think. And I was yeah. also quite blown away that the ASA, because remember I said the ASA really dropped the ball with David Nybert and supporting him. And so I was hesitant to even ask the ASA to do an official collaboration. And I was just going to do it kind of uh, unofficially myself, but the ASA actually did approve. So we were allowed to use their logo and all that good stuff. So I think that was quite, that was an unexpected surprise. So it sold out very quickly within what, two weeks it sold out. The ASA was on board. We're able to bring together and hopefully this is what I would like to see next conference is maybe some, uh, some, uh, some sections from elsewhere in the world, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't, we weren't able to get the, the, the British section on board, for instance. And that actually, this is kind of a side note. But we weren't able to get the British section on board. And so we were thinking, because it's the same situation, you guys, like where you have the animal people, but not all of them are actually animal people. They just study animals. They're not really in it for animals. Um, and that's so it's the same situation in Britain. And then we were, some, some of my British vegan sociology colleagues, um, we started thinking about, and Zoe was in on this as well, perhaps we could do a vegan section in the BSA. So we're going to pursue that and see what happens, but that would be, that's why I think you guys, that the, the British, the British um, sociological scene might be a little bit more forgiving. That's just one of the reasons, but yeah. Yeah. It would yeah. Be good. And I think it might spark some other animal groups around the world. I know when we were setting up the animal one and Nick, you were involved in this as well, setting up the Australian sociology and animal group. Um, it really helps to have other groups around the world that you can point at to say, look, they're doing it. Everyone has it. This is something that happens in sociology now. 
we're not a strange political group. This is actually a legitimate field of study for sociologists. So I'm hoping we'll see a little bit more focus on non-human animals coming out of other sociological associations as well. Yeah, and I think there's sort of like, in a way, two schools of thought for those who are like vegan sociologists or critical animal studies sociologists who are kind of uh, concerned about animals, but concerned about animals more than just humane slaughter and bigger cages and these sort of... um, yeah, half ass kind of approaches, I guess. And yeah, I, I think like both, both approaches are important of, I guess, like in a way, like infiltrating more general sociology spaces and trying to make people think about those issues. I know I spoke at a, a general sociology conference um, with, with Zoe as well. And yeah, even just changing the language, like someone was talking about eating lamb. And I, I just mentioned that example, not to criticize, just to mention something to come up and said lambs with a, a plural on the end. And I just noticed people sort of heads pop up and it's like sort of planting those seeds of like no you're not eating lamb you're eating lambs plural um but i think there is also value of sort of creating our own spaces and and sort of finding people to, to co-write with it and those kind of things and expanding those fields um and yeah i guess like expanding beyond those big three which Corey mentions of race class and gender which are all really important but there's many other fields which are also important i spent um, a lot of time at the critical disability study section at the last sociology conference that's another field and so there's all these other fields which are, um, yeah, really important in their own right, like um, like animal, critical animal studies and critical disability studies that um, are important in their own right and also intersect with those big three as well, for sure. Yeah, and it, so- it sounds like um, just sort of putting on the conference has already had some of the effect that you're, that you're wanting, Corey, as you say, the ASA um, I can see their logo there right next to right next to the the conference sort of information that's maybe something that uh you know they they they're associated with what what is like a pretty vegan conference that's a that's a good step in in a direction i suppose and it, and I think it might it probably, it probably wouldn't happen if we didn't already have uh, the Australian association associated with it <laughs> Yeah, I must say the Australian Sociological Association, it's going to sound like an ad, but they really have been fantastic with the animal group. And I've never had an instance where I've said, I want to do this critical animal thing. And they've gone, oh, no, that's a bit too critical. They've always been really supportive, which surprised me when I first got involved in them. And now I'm just really grateful that they are pretty gung-ho. Just on that, so you've mentioned um, critical animals sort of sociology and, and critical animal studies and vegan sociology or vegan studies. What's the distinction there? Is there a distinction? Oh, tough. Who one. wants to go? <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I would say that they're very much uh, related and overlap in that critical animal studies is very much supportive of veganism. Um, but I guess critical animal studies would be associated with things like broader than veganism, like activism and, and those kind of things, which aren't, against veganism but it's not specific to veganism so yeah i'd say they're very much um very much related i think the problem is also that sociology is underrepresented in critical animal studies Uh, i know many sociologists identify as critical animal scholars but i think one of the one of the other major incentives for me to to get involved with this project is to kind of carve out a space for sociology because in, for me, I kind of, and I think for other folks in, uh, on, on today, I came into this out of my desire to improve social movements, to do something positive for animals. And so I, what I was seeing is that there's in the activist scene, quite a lot of attention paid to philosophers. They are super, super um, influential on social, mov- the social movement structure 
character, makeup, agenda, ideology, whatever you want to call it. Increasingly, psychologists are having a lot of influence. But what's getting left out is sociology, which I think is a great, great, great shame. So we do, I think, need to start advertising, selling sociology as a discipline that has a lot to offer in advancing non-human animal interests and advancing um, activist interests. So I think that's my main, that's how I would kind of differentiate is that, yes, there's a lot of overlap, but we have this discipline, specific disciplinary advantage that's overlooked, almost completely overlooked in the, in the social movement scene. Yeah, and so speaking speaking of, um, the conference is sold out, so people can't attend the conference unless they've already um, gotten tickets or something, but will any of the conference talks or presentations or anything be available afterwards so to reach those people that weren't able to attend um, in uh, live uh, yeah we're looking to put as many as we can online on the international association of vegan sociologists website um i think a few people might not want to be recorded but anyone who is willing to be recorded will be to the best of our technological abilities i think yeah great yeah. so people will be able to access those after after the fact yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was going to add as well, I think that in terms of um, like what sociology has to offer and yeah, I guess in my research, like philosophy is kind of at the edge of, edges of my research in terms of setting up the framework. But I agree with Corey that sociology does have a lot to add beyond just, um, yeah, like it's not just philosophers who can add to it. Um, sociologists ask important questions around like human behavior and uh, resources, like financial considerations within organization, how that shapes activism, all, all these kind of questions, which are in a way human focused because they're focused on human social movements. But in terms of how they can advance veganism and animal rights, um, I think hopefully um, the research of people like uh, me and Corey and Zoe um, is is raising questions that are useful for activists to look at and hopefully, um, yeah, giving information that activists can practically, practically use and, and draw on in, in their research. And hopefully with this stuff being publicly available, hopefully what we're saying has some relevance is, is both like informed by activism, but it also hopefully uh, of, of some use to activists as well. Absolutely. Mm. And I think it also opens up a few more areas of exploration. I know like my research, obviously I've branched out a little bit more since my PhD, but I've always been really interested in companion animals and what a critical animal studies approach to companion animals might look like and, and what kind of a vegan approach to looking at companion animals might look like. And I think that's an area in sociology where we have quite a body of sociology around companion animals and companion animals as family members and as status symbols and, and all of these aspects of everyday life that we look at. And I think because we look at power and raising this idea of vegan sociology gives us an opportunity to look at everyday life and everyday sites where speciesism is kind of enforced and what this link is between structural oppression and, and a very taken for granted relationship, which I can see Nick's dog and I really want to. Mm -hmm. I thought it was relevant. <laughs> very relevant. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting. We're really good at asking those uncomfortable questions in sociology. And I live with dogs. And I think there's very problematic aspects of that relationship that understanding power and capitalism and all of these things is is really useful for. And that's something sociology can contribute to. Well, yeah. Yeah, so I think I think that's a good point to um, stop and have a, a quick song break. So this is Camp Cope, The Omen.
Legal Service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped, questioned, fined or charged for breaching the new COVID-19 restrictions. Have you been fined or charged under the new laws or stopped and questioned by police for being outside? Call 0434 136 501. Weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's 0434 136 501. 
or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter. The Queen Victoria Women's Centre is calling all craftivists to join us and make a fuss. Make a Fuss is a crowdsourced, craftivist project looking for submissions on the theme of women's silence. If you've experienced a time when you didn't want to make a fuss, why not get crafting and make some noise? For more information, go to qvwc.org.au and click on Make a Fuss. Submissions close August 19th. Queen Victoria Women's Centre is a 3CR supporter. You're listening in to Freedom of Species on 855 AM, 3CR, Radical Radio. Um, and we are speaking with Zoe and Corey about vegan sociology. And we've just discussed the vegan sociology conference that they're putting on, I think, next week, as soon as next week, on the, the 7th and 8th of August, something like that, I think, um, sold out. So it doesn't really matter. You can't attend, you can't go along anyway, <laughs> but there, there may be, um, maybe talks available online. And what, what's been interesting is that you've been mentioning, um, that both Corey and, and Zoe, that creating the space and, and labeling or, or, or making this group vegan sociologists has really helped connect you with people and find other people um, within it, within academia and I think it'll it'll probably produce um, sort of uh, hopefully good connections with ac- uh, activists and advocates who may not be very aware of, of sociological theories or ideas um, but what would you say to like I look at I look at it and I'm like oh that's so cool I wish there was a, a vegan science group and I look at I look at sort of um, the idea of creating a vegan science group and I, I just I just think Do people would just yeah they're so I feel like they're so far away from from that what would you yeah what would you say to someone like myself who would be sort of build it build it and they will come yeah mm-hmm. I think also like your um, vegan sci like podcast and website. Surely that would bring people in, wouldn't it? Have you have you made connections through that platform with other scientists? Um, not really. More more activists and advocates, but I don't really do much on it anymore. Because mm. I but when, when you did, yeah, I thought I yeah. thought you might that might attract some people. But yeah, but there, I mean, there's certainly people out there. But it's sort of like, um, and you might be able to speak to this, but um, I I don't I don't. I don't like to sort of pander to this idea, but I do get the sense that people are afraid of using the word vegan as if it's a dirty word, especially in the context of academia um, and and those sorts of things. Have you had any experience or do you have anything to say about that? Is that something that you've noticed? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I could in good conscience say it will definitely have no effect on your life ever to be the public vegan scientist. But um, I don't know. I think it's, you weigh up the costs and benefits. I thought if I, I shouldn't use the word came out, but if I declared that I was a vegan sociologist and I wanted to hang out with other vegan sociologists and eventually they came, then I got to talk to people that I wanted to talk to and develop the ideas that I wanted to. And for me, that was worth it. Um, 
And I think it's paid off in a really big way. But it is scary to be the one that's just like, yeah, I'm vegan and everyone else should come and have vegan conversations with me because you might get, you know, blowback and you might be shunned for things. And I know Rita Wilkie writes about dirty scholarship and there is kind of a stigma around it. But I also think vegan sociologists probably have a pretty thick skin by now because we've all experienced that to some degree. And then I, I had a sorry, go on. No, no, that was finished. You go. Well, I was just gonna, I have a story that bounces right off of what you said because I was telling my head of school uh, a couple weeks ago about the conference we we're putting on the website, all that. And he's like, vegan sociologists, gosh, no, no one's gonna like you. No one likes sociologists <laughs> and no one likes vegans, so good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> And I must say, like, I am, I am um, a very out and open vegan researcher. <laughs> so I, I am the sort of the a vegan scientist, and and make that quite clear to you know all my colleagues know that I'm a vegan scientist. But yeah, I, I just. I, I, Oh, so I'm just going to comment on the dirty thing. Yeah, um, yeah like I, I guess also I'd say that I, it's probably like less dirty than it used to be. Mm. And I think that's also from people being, as Zoe said, like out as sociologists. And mm. um, even from my own researching, interviewing Paddy Mark from Animal Liberation Victoria, she was talking about in the 1990s, they didn't want to use the word vegetarian because it was too radical. And that's yeah. only become less radical because people use the word vegetarian. I think we can mm. do the same with vegan, like to the extent that it still is like a dirty word. Word. I think the more we use it, the more people get familiar with it. But yeah, go ahead, Adam. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was just, I was just um, thinking how I, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like um, the science is is very conservative, and I, I've been toying with like this idea of um, a, you know, like conservation biology is a values a values driven form of science. Why can't we have some sort of like um, science that's driven by the value to protect animals or to to recognise and not harm animals, liberate animals, animal, animal liberation science. I don't know. There's, <laughs> it's an interesting idea, but um, I think it'd, it'd be a hard sell. <laughs> I love that. I'm sold. You should definitely do that. <laughs> well, Adam, I think for Zoe and I, what made this really feasible was that both of us were chairing sections on Mm. Uh, animal stuff so we were already pretty well networked mm -hmm. and I and we just have I think one of the first things that I did was I simply went through my um my networking diary whatever you want to call it and emailed all the potential contacts I had who were vegan and sociologists which was gosh mm. when I looked through it, it ended up being about 50 people yeah well and I just wrote them and said here's what we're doing and if you're interested um sign up for our newsletter and if you'd like to be listed on the, and we, what ended up happening I mean, not only were we re reaching out, but once it was out there, we started getting, Zoe and I started getting all these emails from people who wanted to be a part of it. Some of these people I had never met before, didn't know, a huge groundswell of students, which was extremely encouraging. So I think that we did have a bit of an advantage being chairs of our sections that we were able to kind of use that position to leverage this, but... I think if you want to do this and we're absolutely encouraging you to do this, we need you to do this. You must do this. It sounds so important. I would say start focusing on that like networking or maybe even mm. just start with a Facebook page and start building it up. Yeah. No, that's a good idea. And so to, to continue, we've got a, got a little bit of time left. I just wanted to, um, to, to get some thoughts. How's veganism going? <laughs> it's a broad question, but what's the, what are your thoughts? Depends on the pretty well. 
It depends on what, Corey. <laughs> I think you said what I said. It depends on where you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And it certainly changed a lot in a short space of time. There's just so many things, like there's so many options that I think I've only been vegan for what, maybe nine or 10 years. And um, and in that time, there's just like everything. How many kinds of cheese are there? I know it's mm. not about cheese, although that is the thing that pretty much everyone comes up with when you ask them why they're not vegan because of cheese. Um, so many products and just so much more discourse and mainstream and the fact that you can kind of go anywhere and they have a vegan option and I know there's issues with capitalism intersecting with veganism and this idea of greenwashing of places like burger joints and things like that. But I think it's been kind of mind blowing just in a short space of time to see how much it's expanded. Really yeah, I'm on, a bit on the fence with that. I would say, that, yeah, it's ob- obviously this is like capitalist takeover of uh, social justice movement. But for me as an American, having moved from America to the UK and I thought that the United States is quite advanced when it comes to veganism. And I moved from, I was in the New York City area, New Jersey, which is different, but still pretty well connected. And then I moved to the UK and just walking through the streets of Canterbury, I live in Canterbury, which is not even London. I'm an hour outside of London. And my jaw just dropped, just dropped. Everywhere you went, signs everywhere, vegan in bold, big letters, big font. And I realized in a couple of weeks of living here, every single restaurant has multiple vegan options. And this is something I had never done in the United States. When I would walk by a restaurant, it's like, well, don't even bother. It's just, you know, it's invisible to you because you know that they're not going to have anything you can eat. But within two weeks of living here, I realized it, veganism is so part of everyday social fabric here that I go places I wouldn't dream of going. But the fact that like they're right at the end of my block, there is, there's three different restaurants that have a vegan sign outside of their door. Like, yes, not everybody who's eating that is going to be vegan or get the animal rights message, but we're normalizing it here. And I've been vegan for 20 years. And I remember when I first went vegan, I had to explain just how to pronounce it, you know? Yeah, I, I, I wanted to add as well, like definitely the increased options. I wanted to touch on Zoe's point about sort of corporations sort of in a way like hijacking veganism or, or giving vegan options. And yeah, while I think we should be critical of their motives, like I don't think they've all of a sudden got the animal liberation message and are kind of doing the right thing for animals. Obviously, there's a market for that and they're trying to feed into that. But I would say similar to the Black Lives Matter movement, how we've had big corporations come out in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. I don't think those CEOs all of a sudden have got a a conscience and have become big anti-racist activists but it does show the progress in the movement in sort of advancing the culture to the point where these corporations feel like they have to come out in support of that movement or they might uh, get financial backlash and i'll say a little bit about the same with um yeah big corporations embracing veganism again while we should be critical of their motives i do think it does show some progress in the movement that um, vegan advocates have sort of advanced the culture where they they think they should do that or that there is a need for that or a market for that absolutely and it's all less animals being eaten which is always a good and what's what do you think is the um what's going to get us to the next so we're we're sort of talking about veganism being much more accepted and and common what's what's the next level look like what's overthrow capitalism (laughs) (laughs) in a nutshell (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well that's a that's a pretty um a pretty succinct answer i like it anyone else 
I, I, I guess I'd say, um, like at the moment, we've got like huge ex- explosion of vegan options and vegan mainstreaming. Um, but I guess from my research, I originally called one of my chapters like the rise of veganism, and then I sort of with my PhD super, I was like maybe the mainstreaming of veganism is kind of better, more accurate. Because again, veganism has become mainstream, but it hasn't so much risen. And I mean, it has in sm- very very small ways, perhaps. But um, the total numbers of vegans, according to various studies depending where you are etc there hasn't been an explosion of of an increase in vegan so yeah or a substantial increase and so yeah i guess that would be yeah maybe before the uh, overthrow capitalism but the um like to me that'd be a, a next step where you maybe get like 10 percent of people who are vegan rather than a smaller number of depending where you are sort of one or two or three or four or five percent maybe um so like significantly increased numbers of vegans which i think would um because of that social pressure i think would make it much more easy for other people to become vegan so yeah that that's one thing i would see like more like substantial numbers of people becoming vegan rather than just occasionally eating vegan food or for the small number are vegan life being easier yeah. i think you were very right to point on that social point this is one of the things that makes sociology unique because a lot of the animal rights av- uh, advocacy orgs look at psychological motivations and the individual individual choices and what they fail to really uh, account for is the social pressure of the importance of networks the importance of family and friends absolutely and i just i would also like to see a, a little bit more attention paid to things outside of food consumption around just the way we live with other animals and our connection to nature and even something like I mean, I like to garden. I don't know if anyone else likes to garden. But even in the garden, yeah, the idea that I just, I recently learned this. I don't know if it's just me, but I didn't know you could buy tubs of ladybirds and things like that. And just this idea that you can constantly buy nature rather than trying to think about how we relate to nature and making kind of hospitable environments and thinking about the way that you live to encourage, you know, like all of the creatures that we share our world with to have an easier life that is a little bit less killy would be nice. Um, that's a technical term. I like that. A little less killy. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice. Going for. Yeah. That's Just starting to expand it a little bit to kind of pay attention to the things that we do in everyday life that also inflict harm. And also more vegans, you know, like Nick said. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, folks. We really appreciate it. Um, we are almost out of time. I just wanted to say before we go, for everyone that's out there in Melbourne and surrounds, um, you know, COVID is on the rise again this week. It's, it's not been going down. So if you get tested for coronavirus, it's COVID-19, you need to stay home while you wait for your results. If you don't have any leave available from your workplace, the Victorian... Victorian government is providing a $300 payment while you wait for the test results, two or three days usually. For more information, call the coronavirus COVID-19 hotline on 1800 675 398, uh, a 3CR supporter. Please make sure that you, um, yeah, you stay inside if you're getting tests and if you're going outside, make sure you wear your mask. Uh, That's for yourself, your own safety and everyone else's safety.
Yeah, and I just had a couple of quick announcements before we go as well. I did want to say just briefly that I, I'm glad the government has gone down this road rather than punitively punishing people uh, for not doing the right thing, actually making things easier and at least putting some uh, Band-Aid solutions around insecure work and leave and that kind of thing. So I think that's a positive direction. Uh, but in terms of our show, just a quick note to listeners that we're moving away from using the site freedomofspecies.org um, to just using the site 3cr.org.au forward slash freedom of species. So if anyone's got a bookmark for our show, uh, make sure it's a 3CR site rather than freedomofspecies.org. You can also subscribe to our show on iTunes. And also for those who have Android phones, uh, TuneIn is a good app that you can use to listen to our show. You can also listen to 3CR, including our show live using that app as well. Uh, And one final thing I want to mention is I'm keen to do some kind of a frequently asked questions or at least an asked question um, show or segment or something like that hearing from listeners. So if any listeners have any questions on veganism, animal rights, animal activism, etc. You can email us info at freedomofspecies.org or contact us on social media. And you can find the show every Sunday from 1 till 2. Tune in on 855am in Melbourne or you can stream us live via the 3CR website or find us on podcast. Stay tuned for Encyclopedia. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.